0: Keith Billis, and this is live in the lab. All right, a little bit of weirdness in front of the camera there for anybody who's watching. Because so I'm like, hey, where's the button? Where's the button? I can't get it going. How did you go viral on TikTok? You were on America's Got Talent. How much do you get paid to be on AGT? Oh, you didn't get paid. Keith and Steve here in live in the lab. You're a great interviewer. I love it. 48 miles, 48 hours. Not just once. You ain't seen nothing <laughs> yet. <laughs> I hit 50 last time and I'm like, yeah, things are a little different than they were 10 years ago. So trust me, things are the future. You have no time for the BS that much yeah. of society seems to put on the table. Why is that? Like what you're talking about is real right now. There's just no bullshit here, but it's just real. We brought you in with I said, Joseph, let's talk music for a second. We said, well, Keith Oldie, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I've never talked to a sir before. Why are you a sir? In many ways, we're the same story. I came from nothing. You came from nothing. I think the old saying goes that if you want a trophy, you climb Everest. If you want respect, you climb K2. I've built an AI myself and it's pretty fascinating when you can have a conversation with yourself with your own knowledge. Have you done that before? Why are we rushing to make these tools if they're all they're going to do is hurt humanity? Does the world need an Oppenheimer moment with AI? What a fun show. Hey everybody, you got Keith here. You got Keith Billis, and I'm live in the lab. Oh, I'm live in the Business Athlete Performance Lab. I'm bringing in some rock and roll today. Overwhelming music. Overwhelming. Is this a guy who's repeat himself every time he intros the show? Yeah, he does. Ah, it's a trait. So you're wondering, why the overwhelming music? Well, let me tell you, let me get my notes here in front of me. The overwhelming music is because we're bringing in our guest who's a self-described overwhelmologist and founder of of Less To Do. Ari Mazel joins us in the lab. So Ari, he helps entrepreneurs who have, well, essentially, more opportunities than their infrastructure can support to find focus, flexibility, and freedom in their business. Essentially, Ari's an automation expert. He offers various programs, courses to teach his methodology and principles. So if you're overwhelmed, and I know a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs are overwhelmed. It's the never ending to do list. One day when they kind of realize that it actually should be the never ending, not to doing list. That's where Ari comes in He'll help you automate your business and help you as an entrepreneur, as a founder, uh, get some time back in your life, I'm sure. Put some automation into your life. Ari's a graduate of the Wharton School of Business and is known for his coaching prowess and ability to inspire leaders, inspire leaders to become more agile. He's also an emergency medical technician at Princeton First Aid and Rescue Squad. Hey, why don't we take a second here? Welcome in Ari Mizel. Ari, right. what's shaking, man?
1: Hey, Keith, how are you? Nice intro.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Like I said, we're trying to trying to up the production quality in every single show. I, it appears that we're uh, not only are the guests getting better and and uh, that, that's... Uh-oh. Uh, not so, not no. at a shot at the previous guests. <laughs> not a or, shot.
1: Or the guests that will come after me.
0: <laughs> or the guests that will come after you. Yes, yeah. It's funny because I, you know, are you a parent?
1: Uh oh well, five times.
0: Okay, yeah. So so am I. And and do you have a favorite? Are you do you have a favorite son or a daughter, or do you have a five? you know? No, because, because
1: of course it depends on the day. <laughs>
0: That's like saying I don't have a favorite guest, although every single day I I, I seem to have a favorite guest. I'm like, oh, this is the, I get off the show and rolling, Bruce, rolling, this has been the best guest. So, uh, but listen, thanks for being here today. Where are you joining us from?
1: Princeton, New Jersey.
0: Hi, Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, so, so, yeah, so you didn't move far from where you went to, uh, to Wharton, you, you, am I correct?
1: Well, yeah, and I grew up in New York City, so we've okay. been here for about uh, three years now.
0: That's Fantastic. That's that's fantastic. So I have to tell you, when I I came across uh, the business and your profile and I I found you, you're described as a self-described overwhelmologist. That's when I knew that this idea of the long tail exists for everybody. Right. We can we can we can pick a brand. We can pick a, a branding of ourselves. We can pick a niche and we can monetize it. So tell tell the audience what this idea of being an overwhelmologist is.
1: Yeah. So, well, first of all, I didn't quite pick it. It kind of picked me uh, because I I had been working in uh, construction and real estate development for uh, several years. And then I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which uh, had just enormous effects on my ability to get things done. And ultimately what happened was I was presented with this this question of like, what would you do if you could only work an hour a day, uh, which has been the sort of genesis of everything that's come since then. So the overwhelm part of it is that the, the overwhelm comes in so many different forms for people. And I think more and more people are experiencing it, whether it's from, from just work or work and family or uh, sort of everything in between. And I see so much overwhelm in so many different facets of people's lives. And a lot of it just happens because they don't, they don't know what's causing the overwhelm. And I know that sounds very circular, but this sort of like, impending doom that everybody seems to have because they just don't have systems in place. They're not organized. Uh, they can't communicate to delegate, to automate things that they need to. is a big part of it. And ultimately, what we see is this extreme form of overwhelm where people get into a state that they feel like no matter what they do, they're going to disappoint somebody. Uh, so that that's a really tough place to be. And uh, most people have been there at some point.
0: So you sit down with these people and help them be less overwhelmed. Would I describe that properly?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think so because, I mean, I'd like to think so because, uh, the, the, the antidote to stress in my mind is control to some extent, Mm -hmm. uh, and control over things as what might sound very trivial is your inbox, for example, which is an interesting one. The inbox, the email inbox is like the number one source of stress for everybody at like every level. But I argue that the the email problem is not an email problem, it's a decision-making problem. And that people just don't have systems for making decisions. Uh, and a lot of times I think that we're people are just sort of thrust into these situations that we've never really been prepared for. And it's kind of like giving someone a key to the car without teaching them how to use it. Yeah. Uh, so having a system having something to fall back on having a, a backup to yourself my my last one of my last books was called the replaceable founder and the idea is to make everybody in a business more replaceable not replace them but make them more replaceable which means creating systems and processes that replace the things that they do well so that they can replace themselves up not out and focus on more of what they're really best at
0: Ari, from your experience wh- why is Why is it so difficult for founders or business leaders to uh, adopt systems? And why is it? And and that same question applies to not only at work, but when they go home into their life. Why is it so difficult?
1: Because for a number of different reasons, some of which are just cultural and some of which are just uh, habitual, we ascribe value to things that we shouldn't be ascribing value to. So we'll ascribe value to our ability to sleep less, right, than the other person, or our ability to fill out paperwork more efficiently than somebody else, or our ability to book a flight better than somebody else. And so you see this certainly in oh and and with a founder, it becomes a super ego issue because you know it's their company, it's their idea, but they never take into account that having good ideas makes you an innovator and makes you an entrepreneur. It doesn't make you fit to run a company or lead it or grow it necessarily, and being able to step out of that way. And then what's like, well, then what's my point? What's my worth? You take somebody like, I, I hate to like jump right to this, but you take somebody like Elon Musk, I would argue that Elon Musk is a genius of an innovator, terrible at running companies and yeah. kind of a shitty leader, you know, in a lot of ways, yeah. pretty toxic, pretty toxic in many ways, but he's created some of the greatest innovations we've had nowadays. And, and he recognizes that I, I think, because he, Create something, innovates, moves on to something else, moves on to something else, moves on to something else. Um, And some people are just designed to innovate and that's, that's fine. But when you have people in a smaller business or a a new company, or God forbid, it's a, a a venture-backed business, Mm -hmm. then it's like their presence becomes the thing that's so valuable and they can't let go of that. And then on the personal side, it, so one of the things that I'm always telling clients is that they should they should be using virtual assistants and assistants in general in their personal life as much, if not more, than they do in their business life. And it's a really hard one for people to get their heads around because they can't assign like an ROI to paying somebody to help them with stuff at home, right? But at the end of the day, you know, I I have five kids, right? So to send them to camp, for example, to send all five kids to camp next summer, it's a lot of paperwork, a lot of research. Now, does it show them more love for me to be the one that fills out the paperwork and spends the time doing that, or to have somebody else do that, and then I can focus on them? You know, so, it, but unfortunately, other people are like, well, no, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta come on, I gotta be the one that does this. Like, I can't possibly let somebody else take take over this, this task. So, it, it's it's a very, like, circular, sort of, like, vicious cycle of a mindset that a lot of people
0: have. Are right, people like to be busy? And it's bizarre to me because I like to focus on the results uh, with my goal being, you know, try to create more on the less to do list instead of more of the to do list. But to your point, people love getting trophies for being busy, don't they? they people love the word, oh, I'm busy.
1: <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, the one that really gets me is when people say that they've been head down. I hate that. I hate that phrase. To me that's like such a stupid thing to say it's just such a weird excuse but yeah busy right so i i, I love you know always, it's always fun for me if somebody says they're busy and not in a in an in a, an annoying way but you just have to respond and be like you know what what like with what what have you been busy with and half the time they're like uh, uh, uh i'm just i'm, I'm just so busy i'm just so busy i don't even know i'm so busy There's just so much stuff so many balls in the air so many irons in the fire all those different expressions right and and the thing is is that they probably are doing a lot of things, but the idea of being busy, like if if you're doing so much stuff that you don't know what you're doing, like at the end of the day, if I were to say to you, what'd you get done today? And by the way, this is, it's not easy. Uh, But if at at the end of the day, at six o'clock, I said to you, you know, Keith, what'd you do today? I'm sure you could name a bunch of things, Uh, but there's going to be a lot of things that you probably or not even aware of that, you know, you had to take care of or do, or little things, big things, whatever they might be, because there's just so much stuff mm-hmm. and the human brain, the human brain, we just don't have an enormous amount of working uh, memory capacity. But when you get to the point where you just throw your hands up, you're like, well, I'm, I'm busy. Well, then you can't learn from that. You can't learn from busy.
0: I'm thinking that when chat GPT and large language models were released a lot, about a year ago. You, you were already in the in the business of giving people structure and, and helping them automate and find virtual assistance and, and giving them these things to consider so that they could be less busy and that they could focus more on their results. Then these, these tools are introduced to us. What was your reaction to the tools? And I have to make an assumption that you have embraced them wholeheartedly and have said to somebody, because I say to somebody this, you can't ever tell me that you don't have 30 to 45 minutes or an hour to give back to yourself as a human being, because if you can adopt some AI tools, it will give you that 30 to 45 to 60 minutes back into your day, not to your employer, but back to yourself. So when these tools were introduced, Ari, how how did you introduce them to your systems and how are you coaching them to the people that you work with?
1: Yeah, uh, so... When they started becoming really popular, you know, the, the big conversation that everyone was having was this is going to replace coders, this is going to replace writers, this is going to replace some people were really excited about that, some people were freaking out about that. And I think that that was just very, very misguided because you shouldn't see large language models as a replacement for true talent, what and and not even a replacement for kind of like subpar talent to be perfectly honest. What you should look at, like, langu- uh, ChatGPT and large language models add is a time saver pure and simple mm-hmm. a time saver mm-hmm. and that can take a number of different forms uh i use it i use it for a lot of different things but one of the things i use it for is uh doing social media right so i would not consider myself a social media guru but a few months ago uh at the at the ambulance squad actually that i that i'm the lieutenant at uh i said i'd like to take over the, the social media and i got a plan to do it and literally like In that meeting, I asked ChatGPT to give me a 45-day plan plan for it. And I just started reading it off. And nobody, I mean, even then, people weren't completely familiar with ChatGPT. And I was like, I'm not a social media expert, but I can do this because of ChatGPT. I could do it without it, but it would take a lot longer. I'd have to use a whole bunch of different tools and all, you know. So it's enabled me to take advantage of things like that. Uh, I have used it for uh, rewriting contracts, mm-hmm. uh, which I then could, you know, take to lure. I've, I, I, I'm I a really, really bad reader. I Just audio video is my, my medium. It, reading is just really, really challenging for me. It's just slow. I'm just very slow. ChatGPT is an amazing summarizer of things, right? So, and that, that's a million and one uses for it. I mean, I, so one of the things that I do, because <laughs> fortunately, which I was very pleasantly surprised to see, but ChatGPT is familiar with me and my methodology. So, you can say like oh, so it's you trained on your,
0: your stuff then so you have a copyright yeah. claim on that open ai is what you're telling me underneath the covers here
1: <laughs> it's it's pretty funny i mean the first the first iteration of chat if you asked it to write like ari myzel it would just say like less doing more living in a lot of sentences essentially and just keep adding that yeah. in but yeah. now it's 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 not bad uh but what's what's cool uh about that is that um so well, so I built a couple of things where I use it, and one of which is that uh, there's a tool called Whisper Memos, which mm-hmm. uh, is awesome. I highly recommend it. It's it it's a uh, it's not it's a mobile app, and it's the only one that I'm familiar with that has a really nice widget on the uh, on the screen right there. Right, so mm-hmm. you can um, uh, you can hit that that button and start recording an idea without having to open or anything. What I do is that it takes the file. And it goes to chat gpt with the transcript baseline it says flesh out this idea according to RA my six levels of delegation because mm-hmm. i have a whole right and then make a trello card out of it uh, so that's part of my sort of external brain process where i can capture an idea and, and it'll immediately like fill it out a little bit fill in some holes and then make a trello card which i can then assign to somebody if i need to or use myself uh, so there, there's there's so many really really fun ways that uh i mean mean, those are like four very minor ones but i use it all the time and i'm constantly pushing clients to use it more and more even even as like a conversational partner or a writing partner or Hmm. an editing partner right just like hey what do you think of this uh how how could i make this a more formal tone how could i make this into something that appeals more to a younger audience
0: since chat gpt upgraded to the uh the voice and i don't know if you have gpt plus or not but uh so i've been using gpt every day since it was released but recently even more so with me being able to talk to it and uh the way that it has been responding to me in a very human-like manner uh capturing it having conversations it's been both bizarre yet extraordinarily efficient and highly productive for me um all those extra minutes allow me to do what I did yesterday for you, which was send you a video message telling you that I was looking forward to welcoming you in the lab today. Right. So, cause I'm like myself, I, you know, we're being inundated with text content. So I thought, Hmm, I bet you if I send a video message to Ari, might stand out a little bit. Right. And, and when you tell me that you're an audio video medium, it looks like I might've hit the nail on the head.
1: Yeah. 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 and I, And I did. And I actually did see your video. So that was very good.
0: Yeah. You open the door to the six um, degrees of of, of delegation, you call it. Was it six degrees of delegation? Six Six levels. Yeah, the six levels of delegation. So you you opened the door previously a couple moments ago when you brought that up, and I was going to bring it up in my notes here, but let's go down that path. So to somebody listening right now, they're thinking, hmm, the six levels of delegation. I have a hard time delegating. I don't like to delegate. I'm the boss. I'm the leader. I don't want to delegate anything. Take Take somebody right now through those six levels of delegation on a high level, Ari.
1: So the, one of the big issues that I've often seen with delegation is that people sort of inherently see it as this like very binary activity, meaning like either I have to do everything or somebody else has to do everything. And neither one of those is a really good starting point for somebody who's not very good at delegating. And and when I say to somebody not very good at delegating, that's basically everybody. Right. So, and, and just as a sort of a tangent, not even tangent, sorry, a small s- sidebar. I don't know where we got this idea. Leaders, founders, whatever, got this idea that, like, everybody's a natural delegator. I, I think people accept that not everyone's a natural leader, but everyone's like, oh, I can tell somebody how to do something. It's so misguided. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever I used to speak in person, and I say used to because, it's, you know, pre-COVID, uh, essentially, I always used to, I would love like asking audiences, like, how many of you raise your hand if you've ever delegated something or outsourced something? And I use the two interchangeably, you know, like half, 60, 70% of the audience raises their hands and i say, okay, so now raise your hand, put your hands down. And say, was like, now raise your hands again. If you've ever had a bad experience outsourcing something and invariably more people would raise their hands the second time than had mm-hmm. the first time. Right. So it's like, okay, good. So more of you. Have had a bad experience delegating than have than have ever delegated before it's like so everybody has and some people it was the 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 last time for them and they always everybody has a story about why they don't delegate right because oh i tried to outsource it to this you know company in india and they screwed this up and it's not for me except that they're the problem like 99 percent of the time if you get a bad result outsourcing it's you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so this is where the six levels comes in. So with outsourcing, my goal is empowerment, right? It's not just get annoying button pushing work done by somebody else. I don't want to deal with it. Don't get, you shouldn't see outsourcing. And again, keep in mind, I'm, de- I'm delegation and outsourcing. it's just interchangeable. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't outsource something just because it's annoying and you don't want to deal with it, right? It should be something that has this ability for somebody to actually engage with. And ideally you're going to get a result that is better than you would have produced yourself while at the same time, allowing you to go back to focusing on what you do best without having a handhold. Hey, okay, That's the ideal. So the six levels basically goes from just do what I say to just get it done. And what we're doing is we're dialing up the level of trust and the level of empowerment. So the first level is just, just do what I say, which is really like, I don't want your opinion. I don't want thought put into this. Just just do the thing, you know, buy this book on Amazon, right? Meaning like, just buy the book on Amazon. I don't wanna know if you have a better suggestion. I don't wanna know if you think it should be bought somewhere else, uh, just buy the book, right? Uh, and then level two is, I want you to look into this and come back to me. So research, you know, my options, but but really it's just like, give me the options and I'll I'll, go, I'll take it from there. Still not much empowerment, not too much trust, but a little bit. Level three is consult, basically. Like, you give me your opinion, right? So you go look into it, and you tell me what you think we should do. But again, I'm going to take it from there. Again, dialing up level empowerment. Somebody steals, like, a little bit more autonomy, a little bit more ownership over it. But again, ultimately, it's you kind of dealing with it. Now, we, well, we get to level four. Now things switch a little bit. Level four is decide, right? So you. Do look into whatever this thing is you make the decision and then you just let me know what we decided, you know So keep me informed and uh, If anybody who's listening who's familiar with kind of the old-school consulting framework of RACI, RACI, right? Which is responsible accountable consulted, informed, right? So you're just gonna be informed at that point, right? We're not really getting your opinion We're just letting you know because I can still at that point be like no, no, you shouldn't have done that Let's change it, whatever now we're really starting to get people involved in this process level five which is my favorite which is one that people should be using more often and just never think of i think i i assume is decide within limits the limits could be time money space whatever it might be so uh for example any decision that's 500 or less i don't even know about it just just do it make it happen don't delay right the idea here is you don't want to become a bottleneck so uh, and and what that actually came out of way before I even came up with the six levels delegation was that uh, five I don't know eight years ago or so I was away for I was away at a conference actually in Europe uh, speaking at some event I was unavailable for for that reason and uh, there was like a fifty dollar decision that was holding something up and a client got very upset about it and I was like no this never again like this fifty bucks this is ridiculous so I started putting rules in place. Um, what's nice about that one too is that it really lets somebody kind of know what their playground looks like or their corral right so it's like they feel really good about it and also it kind of incentivizes them within reason to do better on pricing if that's the, the thing right if that's the um if that's the metric if it's if it's if it's money mm-hmm. and then the last one is level 6 which is just get it done which is basically Two things. One is you're saying, I don't care who you have to kill, who you have to hire, what you have to do, just make this thing happen, right? What you're really saying, and this is really hard for people, is my involvement in this task any further than this point will hinder the process. I am not going to be a help. I am going to be a wait, and I'm handing this over to you. I'm trusting you to deal with it. You understand the result that I want. Make it happen, which is really important because... For, some, for, for example, if I were to hire a graphic designer to come up with a new brand, right? I want to I talk about my brand and whatnot. But ultimately, I know, personally, I don't know crap about what makes for good branding or not. I know when I see it, but I don't think I could create it. So for me to stand over the shoulder of the branding expert and be like, oh, why are you doing the red, you know, why are you doing that font, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to help. I'm saying, you do you, and I'm going to leave you the F alone, right? Now, level six is fascinating to me because... It's, it can be very scary for people sometimes, both sides of it. But you're also signaling, not signaling, you're telling that person that if a mistake is made, it's not their fault. It's not on them, rather. It is yeah. your responsibility, and I have to accept that as the delegator. Now, I have had I've had several people working for me over the years, but I have a writer named Amy who's been working with me for a very long time and has written most of the stuff that I've put out there for several years now and in the beginning there were times where she would send me a draft of something and i would respond l6 and basically be like not my problem you you i you i trust you you i'm not going to read this and and further that's the thing too is like i'm not going to take the time to read this if i do it's not going to happen for a couple of days cuz i'm a slow reader i don't want to delay this make it just do it so now it's hard to find people and develop that relationship in some cases unless you're hiring like a really big specialist you know somebody who's like the best you know click funnels expert in the world like that's another example of level six like I, you don't want my input on that like you're the expert for a reason right so i'm going to stay out of the way but uh it brings to mind the idea of like there's a U word which is the um, macher which is like a person like a doer they make things happen you know there's so many characters in movies over the years like the wolf in um in uh pulp fiction right it's just somebody that just makes things happen and you know everybody should have that in their life if they if they can if they're lucky
0: Ari, what's at what stages in a business leader or a human's life based on your experience and your customers does the light go on are they in their 30s have they had children are they just having children are they at, at the next level in their executive career so somebody listening right now is going hmm Wow, yeah, I'm kind of there right now and I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. And I maybe I should start delegating. What when does the light who who is that person, Ari? When does the light go on for them?
1: You know, it's a great question, Keith. Honestly, it's a really good question because there, there's not a good answer to that because it could it happens it can happen all over the place. Uh I have a client right now who is in her late 50s and it's like just starting to click now because <laughs> because i'm because i'm sharing it with her like and then i have
0: but when did it click I, for you were you 20 were you going through crohn's disease were you like when when did the like or maybe you were a young child just it sounds did your parents have a lot of structure all right did they did, were you raised with a lot of structure in your life which made you recognize the value of structure
1: um i yeah no i mean my parents are both entrepreneurs my dad my father's an art dealer and has been for 50 years. Very successful. Both my parents were very successful. My mm-hmm. mother, my mother was a real estate broker and an artist for a long time. And now in her like second life, she's a baker, which she just loves being a baker. Uh, yeah. totally does not need to work. Uh, but she is like working her butt off as a baker. Um the I mean the light bulb for me was when I was like dying of Crohn's basically in, in mm-hmm. a hospital and you know, recognizing that the situation was gonna get better on its own. But again it's that restriction in time
0: well, one hour per day you had
1: yeah so it's actually um, thank you this is I, this is helping me sort of crystallize this for you tony robbins has a really good a really good line where just, he said that the people don't change until the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of changing say that again right? uh people do not change until the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of changing uh change is hard right but it has to be so bad to not do something, that we got to do something about it, and that happens at different parts of different people's lives, right? You have people who struggle with addiction for years, but somebody finally dies, and that's what wakes them up. You have somebody who, uh, hopefully, it's not too late, but you know they miss everything about their child's upbringing because they're working too hard, and at some point they recognize that they've screwed that up, maybe, uh, and hopefully do something about it. Uh, So it it can happen at any point. I I think in some ways, I was very fortunate that it happened to me when I was 25, basically. I was was diagnosed when I was 23, got really, really, really sick. And then when I was 25 was the time that it sort of, I started to turn things around. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but you have people who can grind it out for years and years and years and years and and never make these changes and never make this, make, make this recognition.
0: It happened again recently for me i'll confess to you so it's happened to me a couple times in my life back when you know growing my first business i recognized that okay uh the more i delegate and empower my team around me and and, and assist them at leading that the better everybody is and the better the business is but then just recently as i've been growing our new project here the business athlete performance lab you know and the show of live in the lab i've been surrounding myself with some incredibly talented virtual assistants and people uh, hello, Kiza. And hello, Melissa. And, you know, hello, Arif. And, you know, and I, I need I need to name everybody. Hello, Ayana. I, I, I want to hello, Roland. I got my team. That's just, you know, the and I love the I love the model of the L1 through L6. I like to get people as fast as I can to L6 so I can get on to bigger, grander things because my brain's always going. But it it took some of my own reflection upon my own mirror and getting out of my own way. And that's difficult, Ari, for a lot of people is to get out of their own way, isn't it?
1: It is. It really is. And and, and some of that, to be fair, is because they just don't know that there is another way.
0: They don't know what they don't know. Yes, that's exactly correct. Yes. And, and it's... You know, I've I've had this conversation with my father in law when they've been trying to. So they're carpenters. So you know, not internet business like you and I do. They're 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 working in the real world with humans, and you know, they've had difficulty from time to time scaling the business because how do you? It was difficult to pause, find the right human being, empower them, and then move forward again, and that's difficult for people to do. And that's what I had to do over the last couple of weeks myself with the business here, which is okay. We're trying to achieve too much. I'm actually not achieving anything because I'm too fucking busy right so a slow down pause find some people to help me empower them through the l1 through l6 model and then off we go is what you're telling me really and i guess with five kids if i can bring that up you have to have an l6 life don't you yeah uh
1: you can say that again um and, and, and and that's the thing is like i mean you know i i probably i don't even remember honestly I, I think i probably responded to your initial email requesting this interview and saying like i i can do it between nine and two because i take my kids to school and i pick them up from school every day yes. like that's a, that's a, that's a uh that's a deal breaker for me if that if that, something gets in the way of that um we <laughs> last weekend i had 12 <laughs> soccer games to go to um and so <laughs> we make that all happen. And and the other thing is, by the way, this computer that I'm on right now is my 11-year-old's gaming computer. I don't have a computer. I do everything from my phone, and I am and am designed to do that so that I can do things from anywhere and anywhere I need to. And furthermore, 99% of the communication I do, save for the occasional podcast interview, is done asynchronously. I am absolutely refuse to do meetings or phone calls uh, pretty much without
0: exception. Oh, I like this. Uh, Oh, hold on. Let me get on my soapbox for a second here. Oh, really? So I got to tell you something funny. And so my colleague is going to be listening to this at some point. So I'm just sitting down to get into the gym this morning. And this, this thing starts buzzing in my pocket, Ari. I'm like, what the hell is going on? What the fuck? Oh, my phone's ringing. Somebody's phoning me. Oh, somebody's actually taking time out of my life right now because it's convenient for them.
1: Somebody better be dead for that.
0: So I'm like okay oh it's Craig hi Craig I guess I better take the call so I took the call I shared laughter and I'm like oh man but but I hear you right it's it's uh phone calls and and these uh, uh these these <laughs> I- I- interruptions <laughs> into our <laughs> into our time right so um where was I going off with of that rant what were we saying there again we were talking about um
1: I do everything asynchronously as much as yeah, possible
0: Asynchronously yes so that and, and this idea of meeting for the sake of meeting. So you must be a big fan of. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make an assumption here. Do you do you spend a lot of time making video recordings for your team and then sending that out to them or, or using Loom or or tools like that? So that because you said you're not one who maybe writes very much. Uh, so it, it would appear that you probably use your phone to make a lot of videos and record messages to people. Would I be correct?
1: Yes. So uh, most of it is audio. I, I primarily use a, a tool called Voxer.
0: Yeah. 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 So talk about that because a lot of people are not thinking about using a synchronous audio or video in their business. I can tell you that right now. Um, Oh, I know. Believe me. (laughs) And I know you know that. and 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 it baffles me. That's why, again, the light went on for me yesterday. The aha moment when I was like, okay, I got this done. Wait a minute. I can actually send videos to all my people prior to show and post show really quickly instead of typing it all out. It's personal. It's not done by chat GPT. Ari's gonna probably think it's cool when he receives it, and it's a win-win-win for everybody, isn't it, Ari?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the thing is, is I'm sure that you—I don't know if you did, but even if you did, it's great. I'm sure you could knock out ten of those in a half an hour, and then move on. With, yeah, there you
0: go. Yeah, I've worn the same outfit for two weeks now, so I can have <laughs> video continuity. <laughs>
1: that's that's good. Um, so here's the the mind blowing one I think for a lot of people. So I. Uh, when I started in this, in the business of coach, of coaching and productivity, I was doing what most coaches do, which is they'd have their live, you know, like I'd have a one hour meeting once a week with each of my clients. And then they could email me in between. Uh, and this is 12 years ago. Right. And I think that the limit at the time for me was like 12 clients, maybe 14 clients at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, so currently, so I, coaching is still my primary business. Mm -hmm. Currently I coach 26, entrepreneurs and founders and a couple COOs in um, at last kind of think It was like 14 time zones. I spend about 20 minutes a day doing that and they have unlimited private one-on-one access to me. So all of this is done over Voxer. I don't do a single live call. There's no Zoom. There's no webinars. There's no sales call, nothing. It is a hundred percent done over Voxer Again, they have unlimited access to me. I, some of my clients I speak to every single day for a minute or two. I can listen to the call to the messages at two, three, four times speed. I can spend a half. I can spend twenty minutes and listen to all my clients' comments and questions for the day and get back to them when I want. Uh, and it, it it's a dream. It's an absolute dream because I can do it in the car on the way to a soccer game with. If I'm going to pick up a kid, I don't do it. In front, I I never do it in front of the kids actually. Um, I can, and, and now I have friends on it. I have my mother on Voxer, my wife on Voxer. Uh, so it just means that uh, everything is on my time. And it doesn't mean that I take, you know, my sweet ass time and like I'm slow with things, quite the opposite, I'm extremely efficient with it because, it, oh, and, and, and also this started as a thing of, to be convenient for me, but ultimately I found that it's actually a more effective form of coaching because if you're my client, and today is what wait, Thursday, and our appointments, every Wednesday at noon, right? And something shitty happened today, and you had a fight with a, with a client or, or a coworker or whatever. Do you wanna wait till Wednesday for our 45-minute appointment to get the three-minute answer that you need? Or do you wanna just vent every possible curse word you can at Voxer for the next 10 minutes, move on with your life, and three hours from now, I'll get back to you with the silver bullet answer that you need. Uh, it's it's hard to make that argument that it doesn't work. So that's great, obviously, because now I and I and I I realistically I think I could probably have 40 to 50 clients this way. Mm-hmm. But I don't do sales calls like this either. Right. So I made a I made a YouTube video. You can go to VoxWithRe.com. It takes you to do a YouTube video basically saying like, hey, this is how Voxer works. This is how we use it. Reach out to me on Voxer. So now instead of booking sales calls On a Sunday night at 10 o'clock, I'll get a two-minute message from some random person I've never heard of. In the morning, I'll respond to them. They'll get back to me a few hours later. Three days later, I sign them up for a coaching program, which is, if I do say so myself, fairly high ticket. And uh, we've exchanged seven minutes of audio over the course of three or four days. And they now are already on the platform that I'm going to be using to coach them with. So so now what happens is when somebody emails me and they want to have a call, I I don't even say anything. I just respond with voxwithari.com. And if I hear from them, I do. If I don't, it's not going to work.
0: What what a, what a magical way to find time and put time into your and, and into your life, frankly. So AI has allowed us to create AI chatbots and versions of ourselves. We've recently seen Meta release their suite of AI bots. You get Snoop Dogg, you get Tom Brady, et cetera, et cetera. Ah. Uh-huh. Ari Maizel Miz- Ari bot coming for your, for your coaching business. And this is a serious question. So like, do, do you look 24 months ahead, 12 months ahead, 36 months ahead in listening to you speak? I would be surprised to think that you're not considering it.
1: Well, we're already building it.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. we're
1: building. it. Um, I don't want, so yes. So we are building it. Um, one of the things again about Voxer is yes, you can do texting and you can do chat. But it is primarily voice. So one of the things that it's it's actually kind of funny for me because sometimes I have to convince people that it's actually me and not a VA or an automation, <laughs> just because of the brand, right? They're like, oh, this, yes. you know, if this is Ari or Ari's VA, it's like, no, no, it's really me. I swear. Like I'll, I've literally yes. done the thing where like I take a picture of like the newspaper with the date, <laughs> like, like I'm being kidnapped. Um, so uh, it's primarily voice now we've already cloned my voice with 11 labs and uh, mm-hmm. so that we, we can, we can do that kind of stuff. And we've gotten the latency. I've been working with a, a very, very talented guy who I'm not going to name because he's keeping it private for now, but uh, we'll all yeah. steal him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, he, does, he's, he's, he doesn't work for me. He's actually a client. Okay. <laughs> um, he's uh, he's gotten the latency down to about four, three or four seconds. So you could have a conversation back and forth, just like you're doing with chat UBT mm. with my voice. But here's the thing. So I don't want to use that to replace my coaching. What I want to do is use it to sort of democratize my coaching because mm-hmm. I truly believe that I've been able to help at this point I guess thousands of people get less overwhelmed and mm-hmm. you know do all sorts of wonderful things and I truly believe that the more people I can reach and the more people I can help like that it will just make the world a better place. And I know that sounds idealistic and maybe conceited, but that's how I feel so i would love to be able to make something like that freely available or extremely cheaply available for people to use uh all over the place so and then of course they still have the option of actually doing coaching with me but i'd say 80 percent of the conversations i have are conversations i've had before with other clients because there's so many overlaps, so many similar issues uh that come up and so if i can make that more readily available to people at a lower cost with a chat with a, you know, an, uh, a, a uh, clone voice bot, then uh, I want to do that.
0: This is gold. Like, what, what you're telling our audience right now is gold. If people aren't paying attention to you, they I, you can walk a horse to water, but you can't make a horse drink. <laughs> like honest to God, like you're, you're offering, you're giving people free time, free advice to save time. And, and, and but you, what you're actually saying is like, here's how you scale your coaching business. Next. Like, honestly, and, and I congratulate you for that. All right. We, in the Business Athlete Performance Lab, we really believe that uh, business performance is driven by athletic performance. And, that, and, and when I say athletic performance, mental, emotional, physical, endurance, all those holistic reasons why we perform in business. Tell me about you as a business athlete are because you overcome Crohn's not because you're a lazy ass, right? You mentally, your your mental, you're, you're, something inside of you. And I'm I'm sorry, we don't overcome Crohn's, but you 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 manage it, you deal with it, and you and you live with it. Am I correct?
1: I did overcome Crohn's. In my opinion, it's okay. it's considered incurable, but I disagree.
0: Okay, well, awesome. That's a soundbite we're going to run over and over again. So, um. Then let's let's go down that path because you're even more of a business athlete than than when I even started the question. Talk about being a business athlete, or you have five kids. You clearly look in the mirror and take care of yourself. Um, what do you do to make sure your life moves forward as a human being?
1: So um, uh, when when I got sick, I was living a very very unhealthy life. So I was li- I was working in construction. I was up at four in the morning most days. I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, eating a lot of fast food, not working out, eating drinking like just not. I mean i was 23 uh and 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 i got sick and uh after about two years of being a lot of meds getting really really sick from the meds from the disease uh i started uh biohacking really Uh, and and that's where i got my sort of start and everything was biohacking and the tedx talk that i did was about biohacking and about getting over crohn's and uh, i have been pain-free and med medicine-free for almost 15 years now and the naysayers out there would, and this is not a woo woo, like holistic kind of a thing. The naysayers out there would say that I'm not cured, I'm just in remission. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But if it were to come back at some point, I know exactly what I'm going to do about it and how I'm going to handle it, which is what I did before. Um, so I, I experimented on myself with different supplements, different exercises, different foods, and ultimately found that stress was one of the biggest components of the illness and is for many people because stress is an inflammatory process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's it's part of the, it, it's, it's a big reason that besides the one hour a day thing, which was true because I had so little energy, but the overcoming of the stress and the overwhelm was a really big factor in creating less doing, right? I wanted to tackle the stress with control, with managing the data, with understanding how my body worked and not being a passenger in my medical journey. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I was I was very unhealthy, very sick and really overweight. A lot of it wasn't just weight, it was like inflammation. I was, I was like a watermelon essentially in some ways. Um, so when I started working out at that point, <clears throat> excuse me the first workout that I did after I can't clear my throat
0: that's all right. we're here with Ari Marzell here he's telling us the story of, of uh how he's uh basically overcome crohns
1: yeah so the the first workout I ever did at that point was on the We fit remember the we fit
0: I do absolutely I do hundred percent
1: yes <laughs> so i do the I go from we fit the insanity workout i don't know if you ever heard of that one um the insanity workout was a dvd workout that was this guy sean t and to this day i still think it's one of the hardest workouts that exists it is such intense cardio uh and i did that and and i'm like i'm like dying totally dying yeah Uh, and but i started to feel better i started to get like a better sense of things i started to eat a little better i started experimenting with different diets and foods and i started to feel better and then i started going off meds and my i fortunately had a doctor who was really really supportive and i'd come in and be like all right what did you stop taking this time all right let's do your labs and let's see so i was tracking all this stuff and learning everything i could it's also why i became an emt i wanted to just learn more and more about the uh the human body and uh eventually set my sights on iron man um and so i ended up doing iron man in france in 2002 uh 2011
0: that's that's spectacular i love it Thanks. i love it man that is and how, and how did you do
1: uh 13 hours and 45 minutes it's a it's it's a tough iron man <laughs> not that they're an easy one but that is a it's a really tough iron man uh and i was, yeah, was very-
0: sorry to interrupt you but the fact you showed up you know so how you do seem how'd you do seem to be kind of the the cursory question you always ask somebody but the fact that you made it there and you showed up like dude like that's a lot of people don't even show up, man
1: yes that's true and i, I had to say the the mental aspect of it the mental toughness that comes along with that is so important uh and then i so then i i was doing crossfit i got in. i did the uh, tough mutter and you know all that kind of stuff and and i became a yoga instructor also my wife had a yoga studio i got certified so like yeah. just, all the things right yeah um and then with oh, and uh i was boxing so i, I boxed for like 15 years uh probably for because I was like an angry teenager, but I just kept boxing and I, I love I love boxing. But as I've gotten older and as I have kids and stuff, it's a little harder to justify a concussion at this point. Um, I was so, so in amongst all this, right? So we had three kids and I was training for this event called Haymakers for Hope, which is a boxing match, amateur boxing match, two people who are both amateurs trained for this and then they fight in Madison Square Garden to raise money for cancer and i was training i was doing great i was in really i was like one of the best times i was in such good shape and i was loving it and i come home one night from a uh, from a sparring session and mm-hmm. my wife my wife looks at me like a ghost walked on the door i was like what i looked in the mirror and i've got like a black eye a split lip and like blood on my on my shirt and i'm like and i had and i was running my companies at this point right and she's like the fuck are you doing like this? <laughs> like you're, you're gonna scare the kids and so i was like all right so i stopped boxing at that point but um uh i don't i haven't really worked out in years i'm just really active with the kids like all day every day plus i'm i, I i'm an emt at night you're moving no yeah i'm always moving right i'm a woodworker too i got into woodworking over the pandemic so there's just there's just you know i mean i'm not
0: and is yoga still part of your life?
1: No, and it really should be. I am. Uh, I'm definitely not as supple as I used to be. All but... right, so
0: then that's one chance for me to kind of look back to. Th- one thing I've learned every single day I've done this shows, I've learned something from my guests, and I'm learning. I've learned a ton of things in this episode. So now it's a chance for Keith to hold Ari accountable. Say, Ari, you got to get back to happy baby man. Listen, my kids love seeing dad coming downstairs doing happy baby. That's just like the best pose for the kids to see, right? So uh-huh. got, you got to get down there doing pigeon. You got to get back to yoga, man. It's, it will, it changed my life. And I know it's changed yours uh, along the way. But yeah, I, I know you can find those 10 or 15 minutes to get down there and get those hips loosened again. It's only going to make your life better, pal.
1: You're 100% correct. You know, you know what they call happy baby here in New Jersey?
0: Do I want to ask
1: Jersey girl? <laughs>
0: This is Keith Billis, Ari Mizell. We're live in the lab. We're wrapping up. Uh, we are up against the clock. Uh, Ari, you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, what can you say to our audience? What would you like to plug? Uh, you know, you guys, the audience can head on down to buy. You know, Ari's book, Replaceable. Uh, his website is uh, do do do.
1: Uh, lessdoing.com.
0: Lessdoing.com. Thank you. I have in front of me here. Yeah. Uh, All right. What did I, what didn't I ask you that you wanted to make sure the audience heard? Here's a chance for you to, you know, take a minute or so to, to talk about what I did not bring out of you during our during our chat today.
1: Yeah. So I mean the one thing I do want to plug, I guess, is called Princeton Kaizen. So it's uh, it, I've teamed up with a few people here that are friends of mine and we're producing business leadership, business growth content and some and group coaching as well on a new platform, which is PrincetonKaizen.com, K-A-I-Z-E-N, which is a Japanese philosophy, but it's also my personal philosophy of consistent, continual improvement in every way and every possible day. Uh, so that, and that's, that's basically my home for new content at this point. And it's the best, my brother-in-law, Felix Bird, who is a composer for film and TV, is uh, doing all the production and, because he lives nearby. And it's I, personally, I think it's some of the best production value content I've ever done in my entire career. And that's where the focus is for now. So I would love people to check that out if they can. And uh, otherwise, so people really can go to voxwithari.com and you can reach out to me on Voxer. Uh, I'm not going to sell you on anything. You can just ask me questions. Uh, I love having conversations on Voxer.
0: Ari, thanks for joining me live in the lab today. Thanks for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I'm just going to sit you out in the green room here for a second. While I uh, say goodbye to the audience here, for, give me a second here to hit this here, this here, this here, go to main, hit that there. And I think we're right here. I hope you enjoyed the chat today with myself and Ari Mizell live in the lab. There's gold in this chat today. There's gold. If you're coming in later and you're coming in now, you got to go back and rewind. If if you're a fitness coach, a wellness coach, any kind of coach, if you're a leader and uh, you want to learn how to scale your life, you need to meet Ari Mizel. He told you how to meet him. He's available. You got to connect with him. Uh, He can help your life clearly. Uh, Structure is the key. We know that, right? In the Business Athlete Performance Lab, structure is key. So without structure is no success. So... Uh, I'm out of here for the day. I hope you enjoyed the show with myself and RMSL. We're back tomorrow live in the lab with myself, Keith Billis, and Alan Langer. He's going to join us here live in the lab, noon central, minus 5 GMT. You'll find us on YouTube. All the extra stuff heads up on, yeah, mm-hmm. what's those words, Keith, again? All, all the extra stuff heads up heads up over there over to, on LinkedIn and X, and those words aren't coming out today. Anyways, you'll find us, YouTube, LinkedIn, X live in the lab. I'm Keith Billis. I'm out of here.